section nine of greece and rome this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the world's story volume four greece and rome edited by eva march tappan section nine how the spartan boys were trained footnote from plutarch's lives corrected and translated by a h clough copyright u s a eighteen seventy six by little brown and company End of footnote. about the ninth century b c by plutarch nor was it in the power of the father to dispose of the child as he thought fit he was obliged to carry it before certain triers at a place called lesh these were some of the elders of the tribe to which the child belonged their business it was carefully to view the infant and if they found it stout and well made they gave order for its rearing and allotted to it one of the nine thousand shares of land above mentioned for its maintenance but if they found it puny and ill-shaped ordered it to be taken to what was called the apophyte a sort of chasm under tegetus as thinking it neither for the good of the child itself nor for the public interest that it should be brought up if it did not from the very outset appear made to be healthy and vigorous upon the same account the women did not bathe the newborn children with water as is the custom in all other countries but with wine to prove the temper and complexion of their bodies from a notion they had that epileptic and weakly children faint and waste away upon their being thus bathed while on the contrary those of a strong and vigorous habit acquire firmness and get a temper by it like steel there was much care and art too used by the nurses they had no swaddling bands the children grew up free and unconstrained in limb and form and not dainty and fanciful about their food not afraid in the dark or of being left alone and without peevishness or ill-humour or crying upon this account spartan nurses were often bought up or hired by people of other countries and it is recorded that she who suckled alcibiades was a spartan who however if fortunate in his nurse was not so in his preceptor his guardian pericles as plato tells us chose a servant for that office called zopyrus no better than any common slave lycurgus was of another mind he would not have masters bought out of the market for his young spartans nor such as should sell their pains nor was it lawful indeed for the father himself to breed up the children after his own fancy but as soon as they were seven years old they were to be enrolled in certain companies and classes where they all lived under the same order and discipline doing their exercises and taking their play together of these he who showed the most conduct and courage was made captain they had their eyes always upon him 
obeyed his orders and underwent patiently whatsoever punishment he inflicted so that the whole course of their education was one continued exercise of a ready and perfect obedience the old men too were spectators of their performances and often raised quarrels and disputes among them to have a good opportunity of finding out their different characters and of seeing which would be valiant which a coward when they should come to more dangerous encounters reading and writing they gave them just enough to serve their turn their chief care was to make them good subjects and to teach them to endure pain and conquer in battle to this end as they grew in years their discipline was proportionably increased their heads were close-clipped they were accustomed to go barefoot and for the most part to play naked after they were twelve years old they were no longer allowed to wear any undergarment they had one coat to serve them a year their bodies were hard and dry with but little acquaintance of baths and unguents these human indulgences they were allowed only on some few particular days in the year they lodged together in little bands upon beds made of the rushes which grew by the banks of the river eurotus which they were to break off with their hands without a knife if it were winter they mingled some thistle-down with their rushes which it was thought had the property of giving warmth the old men too had an eye upon them coming often to the grounds to hear and see them contend either in wit or strength with one another and this as seriously and with as much concern as if they were their fathers their tutors or their magistrates so that there scarcely was any time or place without some one present to put them in mind of their duty and punish them if they had neglected it besides all this there was always one of the best and honestest men in the city appointed to undertake the charge and governance of them he again arranged them into their several bands and set over each of them for their captain the most temperate and boldest of those they called irons who were usually twenty years old two years out of the boys and the eldest of the boys again were male irons as much as to say who would shortly be men this young man therefore was their captain when they fought and their master at home using them for the offices of his house sending the oldest of them to fetch wood and the weaker and less able to gather salads and herbs and these they must either go without or steal which they did by creeping into the gardens or conveying themselves cunningly and closely into the eating-houses if they were taken in the fact they were whipped without mercy for thieving so ill and awkwardly they stole too all other meat they could lay their hands on looking out and watching all opportunities when people were asleep or more careless than usual if they were caught they were not only punished with whipping but hunger too being reduced to their ordinary allowance which was but very slender and so contrived on purpose that they might set about to help themselves and be forced to exercise their energy and address this was the principal design of their hard fare there was another not inconsiderable that they might grow taller for the vital spirits not being overburdened and depressed by too great a quantity of nourishment which necessarily discharges itself into thickness and breadth 
do by their natural lightness rise and the body giving and yielding because it is pliant grows in height the same thing seems also to conduce to beauty of shape a dry and lean habit is a better subject for nature's configuration which the gross and overfed are too heavy to submit to properly so seriously did the lacedaemonian children go about their stealing that a youth having stolen a young fox and hid it under his coat suffered it to tear out his very bowels with its teeth and claws and died upon the place rather than let it be seen what is practised to this very day in lacedaemon is enough to gain credit to this story for i myself have seen several of the youths endure whipping to death at the foot of the altar to diana surnamed orthia the iron or undermaster used to stay a little with them after supper and one of them he bade to sing a song to another he put a question which required an advised and deliberate answer for example who was the best man in the city what he thought of such an action of such a man they used them thus early to pass a right judgment upon persons and things and to inform themselves of the abilities or defects of their countrymen if they had not an answer ready to the question who was a good or who an ill-reputed citizen they were looked upon as of a dull and careless disposition and to have little or no sense of virtue and honour besides this they were to give a good reason for what they said and in as few words and as comprehensive as might be he that failed of this or answered not to the purpose had his thumb bit by his master sometimes the iron did this in the presence of the old men and magistrates that they might see whether he punished them justly and in due measure or not and when he did amiss they would not reprove him before the boys but when they were gone he was called to an account and underwent correction if he had run far into either of the extremes of indulgence or severity they taught them also to speak with a natural and graceful raillery and to comprehend much matter of thought in few words for lycurgus who ordered as we saw that a great piece of money should be but of an inconsiderable value on the contrary would allow no discourse to be current which did not contain in few words a great deal of useful and curious sense children in sparta by a habit of long silence came to give just and sententious answers for loose and incontinent talkers seldom originate many sensible words king agis when some athenian laughed at their short swords and said that the jugglers on the stage swallowed them with ease answered him we find them long enough to reach our enemies with and as their swords were short and sharp so it seems to me were their sayings they reached the point and arrest the attention of the hearers better than any lycurgus himself seems to have been short and sententious if we may trust the anecdotes of him as appears by his answer to one who by all means would set up democracy in lacedaemon begin friend said he and set it up in your family 
another asked him why he allowed of such mean and trivial sacrifices to the gods he replied that we may always have something to offer to them being asked what sort of martial exercises or combats he approved of he answered all sorts except that in which you stretch out your hands similar answers addressed to his countrymen by letter are ascribed to him as being consulted how they might best oppose an invasion of their enemies he returned this answer by continuing poor and not coveting each man to be greater than his fellow being consulted again whether it were requisite to enclose the city with a wall he sent them word the city is well fortified which hath a wall of men instead of brick but whether these letters are counterfeit or not is not easy to determine of their dislike to talkativeness the following apothegms are evidence king leonidas said to one who held him in discourse upon some useful matter but not in due time and place much to the purpose sir elsewhere king charilaeus the nephew of lycurgus being asked why his uncle had made so few laws answered men of few words require but few laws when one blamed hecateus the sophist because that being in invited to the public table he had not spoken one word all supper-time archidamidas answered in his vindication he who knows how to speak knows also when the sharp and yet not ungraceful retorts which i mention may be instanced as follows demaratus being asked in a troublesome manner by an importunate fellow who was the best man in lacedaemon answered at last he sir that is the least like you some in company where Iges was much extolled the eleans for their just and honourable management of the olympic games indeed said Iges, they are highly to be commended if they can do justice one day in five years theopompus answered a stranger who talked much of his affection to the lacedaemonians and said that his countrymen called him philolacon a lover of the lacedaemonians that it had been more for his honour if they had called him philopolites a lover of his own countrymen and plistoanax the son of pausanias when an orator of athens said the lacedaemonians had no learning told him you say true sir we alone of all the greeks have learned none of your bad qualities one asked archidamidas what number there might be of the spartans he answered enough sir to keep out wicked men we may see their character too in their every jests for they did not throw them out at random but the very wit of them was grounded upon something or other worth thinking about for instance one being asked to go hear a man who exactly counterfeited the voice of a nightingale answered sir i have heard the nightingale itself another having read the following inscription upon a tomb seeking to quench your cruel tyranny they at salinas did in battle die said it served them right for instead of trying to quench the tyranny they should have let it burn out a lad being offered some game cocks that would die upon the spot said that he cared not for cocks that would die but for such that would live and kill others in short their answers were so sententious and pertinent that one said well that intellectual much more truly than athletic exercise was the spartan characteristic 
nor was their instruction in music and verse less carefully attended to than their habits of grace and good breeding in conversation and their very songs had a life and spirit in them that inflamed and possessed men's minds with an enthusiasm and ardour for action the style of them was plain and without affectation the subject always serious and moral most usually it was in praise of such men as had died in defence of their country or in derision of those that had been cowards the former they declared happy and glorified the life of the latter they described as most miserable and abject there were also vaunts of what they would do and boasts of what they had done varying with the various ages as for example they had three choirs in their solemn festivals the first of the old men the second of the young men and the last of the children the old men began thus we once were young and brave and strong the young men answered them singing and were so now come on and try the children came last and said but we'll be strongest by and by indeed if we will take the pains to consider their compositions some of which were still extant in our days and the airs on the flute to which they marched when going to battle we shall find that terpander and pindar had reason to say that music and valour were allied the first says of lacedaemon the spear and song in her do meet and justice walks about her street and pindar counsels of wise elders here and the young men's conquering spear and dance and song and joy appear both describing the spartans as no less musical than warlike in the words of one of their own poets with the iron stern and sharp comes the playing on the harp for indeed before they engaged in battle the king first did sacrifice to the muses in all likelihood to put them in mind of the manner of their education and of the judgment that would be passed upon their actions and thereby to animate them to the performance of exploits that should deserve a record at such times too the lacedaemonians abated a little the severity of their manners in favour of their young men suffering them to curl and adorn their hair and to have costly arms and fine clothes and were well pleased to see them like proud horses neighing and pressing to the course and therefore as soon as they came to be well grown they took a great deal of care of their hair to have it parted and trimmed especially against a day of battle pursuant to a saying recorded of their lawgiver that a large head of hair added beauty to a good face and terror to an ugly one when they were in the field their exercises were generally more moderate their fare not so hard nor so strict a hand held over them by their officers so that they were the only people in the world to whom war gave repose when their army was drawn up in battle array and the enemy near the king sacrificed a goat commanded the soldiers to set their garlands upon their heads and the pipers to play the tune of the hymn to castor and himself began the paean of advance it was at once a magnificent and a terrible sight to see them march on to the tune of their flutes without any disorder in their ranks any discomposure in their minds or change in their countenance calmly and cheerfully moving with the music to the deadly fight 
men in this temper were not likely to be possessed with fear or any transport of fury but with the deliberate valour of hope and assurance as if some divinity were attending and conducting them the king had always about his person some one who had been crowned in the olympic games and upon this account a lacedaemonian is said to have refused a considerable present which was offered to him upon condition that he would not come into the lists and when he had with much to do thrown his antagonist some of the spectators saying to him and now sir lacedaemonian what are you the better for your victory he answered smiling i shall fight next the king after they had routed an enemy they pursued him till they were well assured of the victory and then they sounded a retreat thinking it base and unworthy of a grecian people to cut men in pieces who had given up and abandoned all resistance this manner of dealing with their enemies did not only show magnanimity but was politic too for knowing that they killed only those who made resistance and gave quarter to the rest men generally thought it their best way to consult their safety by flight hippias the sophist says that lycurgus himself was a great soldier and an experienced commander philo stephanus attributes to him the first division of the cavalry into troops of fifties in a square body but demetrius the phalerian says quite the contrary and that he made all his laws in a continued peace and indeed the olympic holy truce or a cessation of arms that was procured by his means and management inclines me to think him a kind-natured man and one that loved quietness and peace notwithstanding all this hermippus tells us that he had no hand in the ordinance that iphitus made it and lycurgus came only as a spectator and that by mere accident too being there he heard as it were a man's voice behind him blaming and wondering at him that he did not encourage his countrymen to resort to the assembly and turning about and seeing no man concluded that it was a voice from heaven and upon this immediately went to iphitus and assisted him in ordering the ceremonies of that feast which by his means were better established and with more repute than before to return to the lacedaemonians their discipline continued still after they were full-grown men no one was allowed to live after his own fancy but the city was a sort of camp in which every man had his share of provisions and business set out and looked upon himself not so much born to serve his own ends as the interest of his country therefore if they were commanded nothing else they went to see the boys perform their exercises to teach them something useful or to learn it themselves of those who knew better and indeed one of the greatest and highest blessings lycurgus procured his people was the abundance of leisure which proceeded from his forbidding to them the exercise of any mean and mechanical trade of the money-making that depends on troublesome going about and seeing people and doing business they had no need at all in a state where wealth obtained no honour or respect the helots tilled their ground for them and paid them yearly in kind the appointed quantity without any trouble of theirs to this purpose there goes a story of a lacedaemonian who happening to be at athens when the courts were sitting was told of a citizen that had been fined for living an idle life and was being escorted home in much distress of mind by his condoling friends the lacedaemonian was much surprised at it 
and desired his friend to show him the man who was condemned for living like a free man so much beneath them did they esteem the frivolous devotion of time and attention to the mechanical arts and to money-making it need not be said that upon the prohibition of gold and silver all lawsuits immediately ceased for there was now neither avarice nor poverty amongst them but equality where every one's wants were supplied and independence because those wants were so small all their time except when they were in the field was taken up by the choral dances and the festivals in hunting and in attendance on the exercise grounds and the places of public conversation those who were under thirty years of age were not allowed to go into the market-place but had the necessaries of their family supplied by the care of their relations and lovers nor was it for the credit of elderly men to be seen too often in the market-place it was esteemed more suitable for them to frequent the exercise grounds and places of conversation where they spent their leisure rationally in conversation not on money-making and market-prices but for the most part in passing judgment on some action worth considering extolling the good and centring those who were otherwise and that in a light and sportive manner conveying without too much gravity lessons of advice and improvement nor was like Curgis himself unduly austere it was he who dedicated says sosibius the little statue of laughter mirth introduced seasonably at their suppers and places of common entertainment was to serve as a sort of sweetmeat to accompany their strict and hard life to conclude he bred up his citizens in such a way that they neither would or could live by themselves they were to make themselves one with the public good and clustering like bees around their commander be by their zeal and public spirit carried all but out of themselves and devoted wholly to their country what their sentiments were will better appear by a few of their sayings p deritus not being admitted into the list of the three hundred returned home with a joyful face well pleased to find that there were in sparta three hundred better men than himself and polycratidus being sent with some others ambassador to the lieutenants of the king of persia being asked by them whether they came in a private or in a public character answered in a public if we succeed if not in a private character argilionus asking some who came from amphipolis if her son brasidas died courageously and as became a spartan on their beginning to praise him to a high degree and saying there was not such another left in sparta answered do not say so brasidas was a good and brave man but there are in sparta many better than he End of section nine. this recording is in the public domain